Welcome to the Old Soul Movie Podcast, your number one spot for classic movie rewatches and breakdowns. My name is Jack Oremus, and I'm here with my sister, Emma Oremus. We decided that we wanted to make a show that reflected our love and appreciation for classic movies. And while you're here, hopefully we can share that together as an old soul family. We're going to be diving into these movies scene by scene and giving our modern reactions to the films that have influenced generations of people. There will be fun facts, hot takes, tears, laughter, and everything in between. And with that being said, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Old Soul Movie Podcast. Today, we are so excited because we are joined by a special guest, Alex Trevino. He has a bachelor's in drama, and he has worked in the film industry, on the stage, TV, commercials, you name it. He is very knowledgeable about acting, so we want to just take some time, sit back, relax, and ask him all of our acting questions because it's one of the best parts of the film experience, in my opinion. (laughs) That's what what it seems like from the outside. (laughs) There you go. I'm kidding. Thank you. Thank you you guys so much. Thank you all. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about yourself, maybe what uh, projects you've worked on, maybe some names we might recognize who you've worked with or things like that. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm from San Antonio, just Texas. I'm, I'm currently based out of Dallas. Went to school uh, here in Dallas, studied drama, where you know we, we got an all-around education on, on what it is to um, be involved with theater. So it wasn't just, you know, like you're acting and directing. It was producing, some writing, uh, stage management, costume design, lighting design, sound design. So that way you come out a very uh, fully knowledgeable person because you have a lot of these people that go to these, you know, conservatories and acting schools and all they talk about is acting all they know is acting and mm-hmm. you know it doesn't it make I me mean, sure you're a great actor but then you, you, you can't really hold a conversation with so many people um in that same industry and so right. it's a great education that we all had and especially the directing side it gives you a really good perspective on on that and uh but then from there i ended up on a film shoot for six months oh, cool. um, in the middle yeah so i was about to start my senior year we met these uh my family and i met these uh producers who had made a movie called Bella that came out in 2007, that won um, the Toronto International Film Festival. Nice. It's probably the most coveted award in, in the film festival circuit. Wow. And did really well with the independent film. And then this was their second movie. So I met them right before they started filming movie number two. And, you know, that conversation just led to an invitation to sort of help out on, on a movie set for six months. And left school, worked on that for six months. The movie's called Little Boy. It's a World War II drama about a father-son story, and uh, I learned everything. It was like going to film school, you know, for six months. It was awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I got to see every angle and aspect inside of production and directing and acting and producing. I mean, there were Oscar-nominated actors that I got to just, you know, see act right in front of me, and that, you know, sort of changed a lot of things in terms of, you know, how I thought of it. Cool. The directing side, producing side, and then came back home, started producing my own content, made a couple short films, produced a couple stage plays, things like that. And, uh, and yeah, it's been quite a roller coaster for the past, you know, five, six years. I, you know, have a little small business where I do uh, video production and film production for small businesses to tell their stories, to amplify their uh, audience on, on social media and on their websites. So I thankfully started building that business three years ago because, you know, now that COVID's hit, um, right. <laughs> we're, very, we're very in demand. Yeah, I'm so, sure. uh, so yeah, so it's a great, it was a, thankfully, you know, that was a pivot that I sort of chose to take uh, a couple years ago and it's working out really well. And so that's given me the freedom now to pursue more creative projects, you know, different documentaries or helping to market and distribute projects from friends, you know, through grassroots, the acting side, you know, I, I did a lot of commercials, um, short films, a little bit of TV uh, about three, four years ago. And then probably about, a year and a half ago, I took like um, I took a sabbatical that I'm still currently on, um, and you know, building up a business and raising a family, all that. So, yeah. you know, it's a good time now though because Texas is thankfully uh, unlocking and re- reopening at a much faster pace than everywhere yeah. else. So a lot more, so a lot of opportunities are coming up right now. So you know, it's a good time to sort of jump back in. And so I'm in that process right now, sort of, you know, letting the business run itself in a way mm-hmm. and jumping back into creative projects now. 
So very cool. That's, that's yeah. an amazing journey. I, I love hearing about that. Yeah. And it's knowing like when to pivot and when to keep going, you know, because right. there are like, I'll tell you all there in 2016. So four years ago, there were like six or seven months straight where I was only acting. You know, it was like the coolest six or seven months of my life. Married one <laughs> kid. And literally I was every week I was either at an audition at a callback or on a job somewhere. Yeah, that's awesome. And like once a month there was a check coming in for some project and, uh, and I didn't have to worry about anything. It was awesome. And mm -hmm. I remember, you know, I did, I was like, I, did, I think I did two commercials and like, uh, and some, some like short film or something like that. And it was awesome. And, uh, and then, you know, 2016 ended and I was like, great, 2017 is going to be an even bigger year. And in 2017, I auditioned for at least 25, 30 commercials. Mm -hmm. I booked one that paid me 300 bucks. Wow. <laughs> you That's know, hard. so it's a very fickle industry. It's a very, uh, yeah, and it's a very uh, um, judgmental industry. And, you know, you, you, you can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, when, when you're, when you're auditioning for commercials, they're, they're, they're looking for very specific looks, very specific types. And if you don't fit the bill, it doesn't matter how good you are or how good your audition is. If you mm -hmm. don't fit, you don't fit. Exactly. It was so funny. Yeah. I was actually telling Jack this just before we got on together and in my theater class in college, uh, we did have one unit all on acting, auditioning, and we had to faux audition and all of that stuff. And our teacher told us that even before you start speaking, the second you show up, like that's already one cut, whether or not yeah. you're going to be considered or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'll just give you the courtesy if you're like, he doesn't fit, but he drove all the way out here. Like, we'll just let him. And I mean, mm -hmm. but they, they make a judgment in the first, yeah, like three to five seconds of walking in the door, introducing yourself. If it's a commercial and they're looking for like a very specific look, Film and TV, you can kind of get away with it a little bit because, you know, yeah. they are looking for someone who, you know, I guess is talented. Right. But for the most part, you're going to cast on looks. And, yeah, if you don't fit it, you don't fit it. Wow. So, um, yeah. But then yeah. you can also look really good, but then you suck or you're a terrible person. <laughs> I've yeah. seen that, you know. Like, I mean, I've been on the other side of the table, too. And, like, I've definitely cast people who I just enjoyed working with. Wow. They probably weren't as good actors as other people, but I was like, I don't want to deal with these people for 12 hours a day for four days. Like, right. it's going to yeah. suck for everybody. So. Yeah, no, exactly. Those are other cast somebody who I know who's, will be enjoyable to be around, will take direction, will, you know, behave. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, so yeah. it's, it's crazy, but it's a crazy world. So yeah, 2017 was my year where I was like, yeah, I'm just going to chill out a little bit. And then and in 2018, I moved up to Dallas, and Dallas is a very big like modeling and commercial city because there's a lot of company and industry here, so there's just right. a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, you can make a living just doing commercials up here. Wow. And so I started auditioning for stuff, and I auditioned for like a Toyota national commercial. I auditioned for like a Pizza Hut national commercial. Mm -hmm. And on both of them, I got a callback. Uh, I got the audition. So first, they have to submit you. So, when you, so I don't know how much y'all know about this, but like mm -hmm. when, uh, when a commercial comes up, you have your, your agent. And she basically connects with the, the people producing the commercials, like the Toyota mm -hmm. people, the ad agency, whatever. She submits you. And they okay. say, okay, we want to see him. So you have to make it through that first. You don't just mm -hmm. show up in an audition. You have to be like chosen to go audition. Right. Like well, they look sure. at your headshot and they're like, yeah, he looks yeah. like the type. Or no, he doesn't look like the type. Oh, he's too fat. Oh, he's too short. <laughs> you know, like they go through it all. Like they pre-screen you before you even walk through the door. Yeah. And then you walk in the door and then you audition. And then after that, you get a callback. And then after the call, so I got the audition, I got the callback uh, for both of these commercials, Toyota and Pizza Hut. And then uh, after the callback, they probably pick like two or three of you. Okay. You know, in case one of y'all doesn't work out or in case someone's schedule doesn't work out or in case, mm -hmm. you know, they, but basically the casting director will pick two or three and take it to the client and say, pick one of these three. And so I got to that for both commercials where I was like, oh. and it was, you know, hundreds, hundreds of people auditioning for these things. And yeah. uh, I didn't get either of them. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And I knew the casting directors, like they knew me by first name. I'd auditioned for them dozens of times, you know, Hey Alex, how's it going? Like, yeah. good to see yeah. you again. Keep in touch, whatever. And, uh, and you know, and it's good because they advocate for you. They fight for you if they know yeah. you right. and they've cast you before, but it's up to the client. It's what they want. You know, like, oh, he won't, he won't really, you know, I'd rather have this guy flipping my pizzas versus this guy. <laughs> And yeah. it's like, or the girl that we for sure want as the wife, like he would look better as the husband than he would. So, you know, like it's stuff that it, and that's what you have to understand so early on is like, it's stuff that you just a hundred percent cannot control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't wow. control it. Like you can't, there's nothing, 
I can't grow six inches. I can't change my eye colors. I can't uh, grow a beard in, in a week. Like there's things that you just can't control. And so you just yeah. got to live with it. Yeah. So yeah. I, that's when I said, that, okay, like I'm going to get out of it, build the business up. And so thankfully I'm at the point now where it's like, okay, it's time to jump back in. Yeah. I, very cool. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I mean, there were a couple things that really stood out to me, I guess, as an actor, how do you sort of separate it being personal versus sort of the business aspect of it and just kind of what they're cut and dry looking for? Yeah. Um, I like for me, it was whenever I was in my sort of stride is when I, it was like a routine. It was like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. It was like, um, you know, re like studying, reading a book. It's the same sort of mindset that I got into mm -hmm. where I just didn't get like, and that's normally how I am with these things. I used to be way more emotional mm -hmm. about auditions and stuff yeah. and more in the theater world. So I can tell you the best audition I've ever had was in college. And I, I, and, um, I know I nailed it a hundred percent. It was like, it was for, um, it was for a production of, uh, Ibsen's ghosts and it's a, you know, it's a five person play. It's tragic. It's, it's very uh, intense. And, uh, I was auditioning for the role of Oswald and I had probably the best, like, I think it was the best audition I've ever had. Like yeah. I prepared really well. I was mostly off book. They don't require you to be off book for the most oh, part. Wow. Um, yeah, mostly off book. I was, you know, just knew exactly who I was, what I wanted, how I was going to get what I wanted. Like I had all these mm -hmm. choices sort of made and just was open to whatever happening, happening, had a great callback, walked out. And it was when I walked out of that audition where it clicked for me for the first time. And I said, you know, what matters is that I put everything I possibly could into that. Mm -hmm. And so whatever happens after this, that's out of my control. Because I showed them, I showed my professor, the director, the stage yeah. manager, I showed, them, I showed them what I can do. It's like, right. you've seen everything I can possibly give you. Right. And if that's not enough, then there's nothing more I, could do for, I can do. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. a different feeling when you're like, oh, I should have done this. <laughs> oh, I should have done that. Oh, perhaps this. That was the first time I walked out of it realizing whenever you audit, like you have to treat the audition as the performance itself. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. the encore is when you get hired. The encore is when you get hired, you get paid, you're there, you got the job, you're fine. But to treat every audition like, you know, there's some famous actor, actress, somebody who said it's probably like Lawrence Olivier or something like that, where mm -hmm. it was like, you have to just act like, you know, you're, you're on Broadway, the spotlight's on you. And this is like your last time to shine. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and, and that's how I, after that audition, I didn't get the part, but I, but that just made it so clear to me. The more times I do this, I'll mm -hmm. get lucky at some point. Yeah. Someone will cast me. You know, if I just go out once a year to audition, well, I, that's a one, one chance a year I'm going to get. Right. If I go 52 times, that's, I have one, that's 52 opportunities where I can get something. And to just leave it there, give it everything, prepare really well, show up, kick ass, and just leave everything there and then walk out knowing that you gave it everything you could and that the rest is completely not up to you, you know? That's good life advice. I love that mindset. Yeah. I love that. yeah, in general, in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And once I started treating it like that and just auditioning all the time, like I started seeing, oh, I'm getting a lot of callbacks. Oh, I'm getting a lot <laughs> of, you know, right of first refusals, which is when they put you down to those last two and they say, you know, it's one of the two of y'all and, um, yeah. you know, you're, you're the backup or you're the main one. That we, they don't know who they're going with. I just started finding myself in those situations all the time. And, uh, and, and yeah. And a lot of it is also, you know, it's like selecting good roles and having an agent that is picking you for the right stuff. Like, you know, it'd be, it'd be silly if she was sending me to things where it's like, we're looking for a, you know, a, a an Indian American who speaks, you know, Farsi and, you know, yeah. is six foot five and weighs 500 pounds. Like <laughs> don't go to those auditions. You know what I mean? So uh, you're wasting your time. So, you know, picking the right things to audition for, showing up early, you know, if they ask you to be off book, be off book. If they ask you to be familiar with the script, be familiar. If they ask you, have choices ready to go, have your choices ready to go, being proper, you know, knowing where to look, knowing, you know, where to stand, being professional, being nice, being nice to the person who's checking you in, all that kind of yeah. stuff matters. And uh, the more you do that, the more, yeah, the more often you find yourself in situations where it's down to you and someone else, you know? Right. And then from there, whatever happens, happens. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, that was really good information. So we definitely had a couple questions on action Shoot. techniques. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Okay. What is method acting? What are some acting techniques that actors tend to utilize? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, to have at it. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, well, let's talk, like, I mean, we'll talk first about method acting. So method acting is something I'm very much not very uh, into. 
I'm not, mm-hmm. it doesn't really interest me too much. It's, it's an approach that doesn't work for me personally. Okay. Um, so, you know, just a little refresher for method acting. It's basically like using memories from the past, I guess, or using, you know, like situations that, um, that are in your life that have affected you in some way and bringing that into the role. So it's like, I don't know, let's say, for example, um, I'm doing a scene where like my, I don't know, my kid is in the ER and he's like, not going to make it. So Mm -hmm. I go into my mind and I'm like, oh, let me remember that time when I was like six years old or 10 years old and like my favorite dog died and kind of like bring myself back into that 10 year old, how I felt at 10 years old and fill that up and then just use that and go. Um, the reasons I'm not really into method acting is because it's dangerous, like psychologically. Right. Um, because you know, if, if you're dealing with stuff that you haven't really dealt with mm-hmm. yet, it can just, it can just prove to be very traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it, you know, if you're, yeah, if you're just going back into memories that, um, that you still really haven't dealt with as an adult, it, it can just put you in a really dangerous place. You know, it's, it puts you in a really weird, like, is this real? Is this not real? Am I back there? And, and, and yeah, and it's just not good. It works for people. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but I'm just saying it's not worth the, the, the cost, the price right. for me. Yeah. You know? yeah. I can find other more efficient ways to get there than, than other people. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just preference, you know? And that's, what's funny about acting teachers is they're always going to tell you like, Oh, this way is the best way or that way is the best way. (laughs) It's kind of like what works for you, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and what's worked for me is uh, taking some principles of method acting, you can say. Okay. Um, but basing it off of, but basing, basing it off something completely entirely different. Um, so the technique that I use is the Meisner technique. Okay, so explain that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the, the the so the Meisner technique was developed by Sanford Meisner, who was an acting teacher in New York City. He was a contemporary of Lee Strasberg, who created the method acting. Yeah. So they all created this. So it was Lee Strasberg, um, Sanford Meisner, Uta Hagen. Um, there are about five or six others who opened a theater company in New York City, that only lasted maybe four to five years. But it wasn't that theater company was an offshoot of Stanislavski and Dostoevsky's theater back in uh, back in Russia, right. and how they wanted to sort of Americanize this realism. And you know, Uta Hagen went one direction, Sanford Meisner went this direction, Lee Strasberg went with method. And from that little theater company, it create was it's the most influential theater company ever in the country because from there you had like these three, four acting gurus who then planted all the seeds in Hollywood. I mean, that's where like all the, all the, like the, the Marlon Brando's and James Dean and Marilyn Monroe's and all the, a lot of the golden age, um, not the golden age, but like the forties and fifties actors studied under these, these greats. Yeah. And, and a lot of the great plays from the forties post-World War II, Arthur Miller were, were, you know, use a lot of these actors. And so Meisner is the one that I did in college. It's the one that I prescribed to the most. And Meisner is the definition that Sanford Meisner gives to acting is acting truthfully under imaginary circumstances. So there's mm-hmm. two sides to that statement. So the first is acting truthfully. So it's being truthful to what's happening in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's like if someone slams the door right now, I'm going to I'm going to jump because it's scary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the imaginary circumstance is I'm a, a single guy, stoner, sort of laid back, watching TV, my eyes are glazed, whatever, you know. That's the imaginary circumstance and then whoa, what's going on, you know? So that's the two parts is, you know, you're, you're truthfully reacting to what's happening in front of you under this set of, emer- of imaginary circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so the truthfully, the living truthfully part is, you know, the, the script is, is what's happening on a moment to moment basis, right? You, um, you react based on what's happening right in front of you. And the imaginary circumstances are the characteristics of, you know, the, the scene, the character, the time, the place, uh, all that stuff. And What's really nice about the, the preparation that goes into Meisner is you draw from your, you know, your life, but you're drawing from things that you currently feel at the moment. Okay. So you're not accessing yeah. memories or yeah. right. things that happened a long time ago. You're, dealing, you're, you're working with things that are happening to you right now. The argument that you make is basically, you know, you, uh, Emma, you've probably felt every emotion on the emotion scale. Yeah. in the past week, every single one, whether mm-hmm. in a major way or in a very minor way, you've felt scared, tired, anxious, annoyed, happy, sad, mad. You felt all of that in the past week. 
maybe it's more than more so some more than others, right? But you've probably felt everything you could possibly feel in the yeah. past week. And so what you do is you take one of you take, uh, let's just, let's just set up a story where it's like, um, I don't know, like I'm sitting here, those, like I told you the imaginary circumstances, let's already make them up. I'm like, you know, some single stoner hanging out in my, my little studio apartment here. And, um, my girlfriend just broke up with me right before the scene started. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that, so that's like what happened right before the scene started. And so for me, I'm saying, you know, well, obviously my wife hasn't divorced me, so, you know, I can't really do that. But let's just say for argument's sake, you know, I've had an argument with her in the past week. Mm-hmm. Like a real, like, you know, yeah. and I'm telling you that's true, like we, yeah, we had an, a stupid little argument. So then in my mind, under the Meisner technique, what I do is I play pretend with that. Okay. I say, okay, suppose after this argument, I said, we need to get away from each other for a little bit. Like you feel that silence in the room for me right now. Like, boom, yeah. that just, that just became real because Amanda is somebody that I care about. She's my wife. Mm-hmm. And that's something that from that little jumping off point, it's a leap where I know it's fake, but like, man, that would really suck if that really happened. Cause it's somebody that I really care about. And it's something that actually happened a week ago. And I'm sort of taking it a, like a next fake step. Right. Yeah. So I fill myself with that, you know, like, what would it be like if, if I did tell her that, what would I like, man, that would suck. And so like, and I start sort of, you know, playing around with it and it's like, yeah, that really does suck. And then, and then just imagine the director says, okay, action. Mm-hmm. And you're in that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, what's nice is as soon as they yelled cut, I'm not like, oh my gosh, growing up in a little ball and like, right. I'm, I'm back to seven years old and you know, I need a therapist and all that. Um, it's nice because you yell cut and you're like, oh yeah, you know, we didn't break up, but you know, you, you can just snap out of it real fast while still being in that very intense state that you need to be in to do a scene truthfully. So yeah, so that's the basic background with Meisner. A big uh, thing with Meisner too is sort of staying in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a big repetition. There's a big exercise that Meisner actors will do to sort of train and Mm -hmm. it's called repetition. And basically what you're doing is you're sitting with a partner in front of you. And like we did this, you know, when we were, when we were studying the technique in, in school, I think I studied it for like two years. And um, we did this for like a couple hours a day, three days, three, four days a week for months where you would just sit in front of somebody like a partner and you would just observe something from them. So it's like, you know, you have blonde hair, you're wearing headphones, whatever it is. And you would just repeat that back and forth. And the exercise is you're basically like you're observing, you're being in the moment and then you're listening and you're repeating what you hear. And it's like, it turns into this, not like a tennis match. It's kind of like a tennis match where it's like, if the ball goes this way, I'm going to go that way. If the ball goes this way, I'm going this way. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's this exercise that really puts you in the moment at a very basic state, which is just like, you're wearing a black shirt. You know, you have a microphone. Mm -hmm. Your eyes are brown. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so, and so it starts like that. And then you just repeat that back and forth. And then from there you build upon that exercise to a scene. So, you know, you take it from the very basic observation to, okay, now let's apply all this to a scene. And what it makes you do is it makes you observe, you know, like just imagine you're doing a scene where, you know, it's two best friends sitting down in a living room talking about how one of them broke, you know, broke up with his girlfriend. It's like, you know, me and Jack are doing a scene like that. But just imagine, you know, we rehearsed it and stuff. And then like the one time we're doing it like as a performance or whatever, like Jack Mm -hmm. walks in and he trips and falls. Uh, I have to react to that because it's happening. It's right there in front of me. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like so or much let's sense. say, or let's say he walks in with like a completely different haircut or like a completely different shirt yeah. or, you know, he says something that might, might've been a little off. I have to be listening to that because I have to respond to what's happening in front of me at the moment. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, or let's say like we have props or we have a drink and I spill it on him. Like that's gonna, that's a reaction that you have to react to if you want to be fully present in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow, yeah. And so, and so that's what those exercises do is they basically bring you back to that like very basic stage in life where you're observing everything and saying everything that you see. You know, like my two year old, he's like, look, that door's <laughs> white. Why is that grandma over there? That person's better that. Like it brings yeah. you back to that stage where you're just so open to everything. And then you're just regurgitating it out how you see it. And uh, it's a really beautiful method of acting, I think, because it really, it makes you pay attention and be with an acting partner. It's a very selfless way to act. Yeah. So right. it's more like you're giving the other person 
stuff to work with instead of holding it all in, you know, which is like, Oh, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling this. Like, I'm going to cry. I'm going to do this. Instead it's what this person is doing. How does that make me feel? And how am I going to react to that? You know, instead of, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm, you know, making it more inward. It it makes you more open and vulnerable. That's what it sounds like. There's, there's my other spiel. (laughs) No, that's so cool. I mean, it really kind of takes you back to that, like, childlike wonder mindset that I feel like we lose and we lose that sense of playing pretend and imagination as a kid. And then to be in that observational curious state, that's really cool. So it's Mm -hmm. that and then just grounded in reality to make it authentic, you know, to make it real. So yeah, it's a really cool, it's a great way to study acting. And that's what I still definitely use a hundred percent, you know, like the, the very basic questions who it like for the, like, we don't, we don't really reference character like the whole getting into character, getting out of character thing. Yeah. That's never really okay. gelled with me too much. Yeah. I don't like, I don't really like using those, that figure of speech or those words for describing it. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's still, it's me in front of the camera. It's me on stage doing it. It's not like I'm, you know, I'm somebody else doing all that. It's me. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, and so, yeah. And so that's why, you know, like all those like getting into character things just for me personally don't really work. Uh, mm-hmm. What works for me is just answering basic questions. Like who am I? What do I want? How do I get what I want? You know, what do I do in order to get what I want? What happens when I don't get what I want? And keep it as basic as possible and, uh, and be prepared in that sense. And then everything else just sort of happens. You know, with, with characters, a lot of it, honestly, is like that's why it's, it's the film and theater and especially film are very collaborative because what really does matter is where the cameras place, the costumes that you're wearing, the hair and makeup design, if it's a period piece. Those things help you get into character so much as well. Yeah. You know, my job is just to take what's on the page and just to, to be as truthful as it can be about it. Yeah, Definitely. I did kind of have like a dovetail question with that. Yeah, yeah. So what would you say are the differences with stage acting versus film acting? Yeah. Do you use the same techniques? What are the differences? What right. are the differences between those environments as an actor? Um, yeah, so I definitely think it's easier to go from theater to film. Okay. It's definitely easier because it you read a lot about like film actors or people who started in TV and film going to Broadway and just completely like <laughs> bombing. Uh, yeah, bombing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and a little, but a lot of film actors, you know, have their MFAs in acting from mm-hmm. Yale School of Drama or ACT San Francisco or you know wherever, and they they did Shakespeare in the Park and they did you know off Broadway and a national tour here and there, and then they just went on TV and crushed it. Um, the way I describe theater and film acting is like this theater, like you, you, you have to still bring in the same preparation, the same energy, the same passion. You have to, it, like none of that changes. The preparation is very much, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is with theater, it's like the energy, like film is very much like the energy of like a laser. Okay. Where it's very precise. Yeah. Very straight. Direct. You know, yeah. Very yeah. direct. Zoomed yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very precise. Yeah. It's very like, it's very thin like that. And theaters, the same amount of energy, but it's just like projected Production. a little. Yeah. yeah like it's just like a little bigger. And the problem is like when you overthink it, the first experience I had in film was uh, other than like Little Boy, which was like, it was a cameo. It was one scene. I was in a <laughs> hospital bed. It wasn't that crazy. I've got to watch um, Little Boy. I yeah, want to see yeah. this scene. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. in one scene. So, um, but my first experience was um, I was in one of those like America's Most Wanted TV shows, mm-hmm. oh, and I was like no the killer that they featured, you know, like in the backstories. <laughs> That's so awesome. I was like the killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was my first experience. And you know, I had said, "Oh yeah, I did like this big movie. I only did one scene, but I was around it all." So I was like, it's not, "Surely it can't be that crazy." My first scene that I filmed, I was in an orange jumpsuit. They like makeshifted an interview room in the police department. And it was like, this is the confession scene. Mm-hmm. And we were, they were like, we don't have a script, but here's the transcript of the interview that they actually had with this guy like 25 years ago. Wow. So we want you to read it, memorize oh. it, and just go for it. Oh. And I was like, and this is like my first time ever. And I was just like, <laughs> little boy, I just had one line. It was, you know, it was like, oh, thanks kid. You know, whatever. <laughs> this was like, they want me to monologue for five minutes. And like, I just got this, you know, they're like, we're going to shoot it in 15, 30 minutes. And oh my ready gosh. To go. And so they were like, you know, when they ask these questions, just answer them, you know, say like, kind of say this, say that, and then it's going to be your confession time. Just like do as much of it as you can. And we're going to just see what happens. Oh and I was gosh. like, cool. And so I was, I got freaked out at first cause I wasn't expecting it. But then I thought like, okay, go back to your training, go back to what you learned. Like 
who am I? What do I want? How do I do? What do I do to get what you want? You're like, these people were sitting two, three feet away from me. That's what's nice about film is you only have to talk like they're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Theater, you're projecting to an 800 seat house, a studio box theater, you know, where you have to project a little, you have to be more aware of the audience and like how you're standing because, you know, you don't want to block people's views. Mm-hmm. In film, it's really nice because you're just talking to people like conversationally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean with, with the energy. Like you still have to be engaged and fully into it, but you don't have to worry about like, am I open enough? Am I, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. Right. Yeah, and so and so real quick, this uh, so this scene, um, they put me down, they sit me down where I'm sitting down with the handcuffs, or whatever, and I'm sitting there like this, and then like the two people, the two detectives are right there, and they're like, okay, well we're just gonna like we're just gonna shoot it and sort of see what happens, and boom, action, and I just like for whatever reason I just like got transported to 1993, and like the confession part came up and I just crushed it, oh, and they said it cut. And the guy next to me, who's like this, been on a ton of TV shows, you know, and done commercials and stuff. He looked at me and he was like, he literally was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, all right, awesome. thanks. I got this. All right. And so that just, that just eased me. But, you know, the, the, the preparation is very similar. Yeah. Very, very similar. You got to, like, you know, memorize who are you, what I want, this and that. But then, like I said, the, the style, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little different. It's just not as, not as showy, not as big camera captures a lot more than the theater audience can like movements in your face and like your posture and stuff like that. The camera captures that way more and magnifies it. Mm -hmm. So you just got to be really aware of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, if you're in your head too much, you're not going to be fully present in that moment. Definitely. And that's the beauty of like having directors and all that stuff. Like they tell you like, dude, you're slouching. So like, okay, cool. Thanks. You know, like they, they, they look at you. Because you're yeah. just, fra- like right now, we're all framed in these rectangles yeah. and their job <laughs> is just to capture it for a couple seconds here and there. I have a good question that might relate to that. So all right. a- as we as we all know, actors are mostly the, the face of these, these films, productions. But what we don't really get to see is what happens behind the scenes, like you mentioned with directors and the rest of the crew. Yeah. How, can, how can you tell what the influence is of a director, the relationship between the two. And Emma, if you have anything additional. Added on to that. Yeah, um, yeah. I want to know, because it seems like as an actor, you have a really good grasp of the interpretation of your character. And what happens when you as the actor have a different vision for this character and how they are for a scene versus what the director wants or thinks? Yeah, that's a tough one to, to answer. I mean, you know, when you audition for something and you get mm-hmm. cast in something, it's because they like what they saw and yeah. they know that what you're going to bring is something that they're going to, you know, like. Yeah. Um, you know, you definitely, and that's why, and I'll tell you, I guess from the other side where I've produced stuff and seen actors and it's, and it's very much, you know, you, you have to, you play that dance out in auditions. You, you know, you, they come, someone comes in with something and they've sort of chosen to do it a certain way. And the director just wants to see like, Hey, if I give them a suggestion, how are they going to react? Yeah. You know, if, if they, if, you know, they, if, you know, the, the character, if the, the, the actor came in and made the choice, you know, I'm going to play this scene, um, very timid. And then the director says, you know, like, I really think that after that last scene, he would come in a lot stronger than that. So come, come into the room more confident, just like, you know, stand, like, just be a little stronger with how you're standing, da, 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 this and that, that what I look at is the reaction that the actor is going to give which is, is he going to be like, F you? No, <laughs> I get it more than you. Yeah. Or is he going to be like, yeah, like, I'll try that. Like, okay. that sounds great. Like, let's, let's try it. Let's see what happens. Hmm. And so the director will see how he took the note, like if he shifted. Mm-hmm. And then you see a lot right there. You know, okay. you'll see a lot right there. That tells you a lot, a lot that you need to know about this actor. With me, I'd rather come in and have a completely wrong choice for a character. Mm-hmm. Then have no choice at all. Because mm. it shows that I at least prepared. It shows that I came into the, into the room and kind of said, this is what I thought, and I'm going 100% with it. I'd rather see that from people than for them to be, like, asking a lot of questions before the audition. Yeah. Like, how should I do this? And why would I do this? And yeah. That means you weren't prepared. That means you, weren't, you didn't do your homework. That means you didn't get ready. Mm-hmm. And that tells you a lot about what you're going to bring to the set, which is a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And think, yeah. the actor's job is to bring in choices. Just like the director's job is to be the, the visual of the, everything. The cinematographer's job is to compose the images. The lighting job is to set up the lighting to, uh, you know, to present a certain mood. The sound guy is to capture all the sound. Everyone has their role to do, and the actor is the exact same way. 
And, uh, you know, everybody comes in with the script and what the director sees and you make your choices based off of that. And it's better to come in with a wrong choice than no choice. And you should know as much or more than the director because it's right. you, you know, it's you yeah. that's, that's in this, you know, you know yourself more than anybody else. And so, and directors want to see that sort of passion and reasoning behind decisions and why you did this. Like it's, it's a good thing. And, yeah. and it's a beautiful collaboration to have. Um, even from the, like from the directing side too, there's been so many incredible, you know, more in theater than film for me, but there's just been really cool discoveries that you make that you didn't even realize. And it's like, because he came and made that choice, it was like, oh, that, it's going to work so much better than what I thought. Definitely. Yeah. You know? Definitely. So. Very cool. I, I have a question, sort of fun one. Relates to directors. Um, so it's a bit of a two-parter. Okay. Who, who are two dream directors that you wish you had the chance to work with, with one being alive and one dead? And why those two? Hmm. Alive, I think I would have to do like a 1A and a 1B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's acceptable. That's totally yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. So um, I really enjoy uh, the sort of this Mexican renaissance that's come out of film. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Andrew Gomez Inuartu, Alfon- and my, but my choice would be Alfonso Cuaron. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. awesome. He directed my favorite Harry Potter film, <laughs> the Prisoner, Prisoner of Azkaban, number three. Um, Gravity is one of my favorite movies yeah. you know, ever. It's a great one. Such a beautiful, poignant movie. Um, a Little Princess. Yeah, A Little Princess too. Yeah. That's right. Such yeah, a beautiful yeah. movie. Yeah, I love it. And so he's somebody that, you know, just, yeah, his movies are so beautiful. And just to be a part of that experience would be nuts. Yeah, like he would be he would be pretty great to work with. And then yeah, I can't really I can't remember who I was gonna say for for one B, so we'll just keep it at that one. <laughs> okay. For a dead director. Eek. Um I haven't thought about that question probably ever. Oh uh, really? What what dead director am? Yeah, no, not really. Or if not a dead director, then what is one one role that you wish that you could just swap yourself out with like From if you could just movie. play if you yeah any movie oh any doesn't really matter. That, yeah that for me is pretty easy i <laughs> enjoy movies where you follow the hero's journey yeah and it's told in a very like physical sort of athletic physical transformative way mm-hmm. so like the mo- one movie that i responded to very deeply was um the fighter with mark Wahlberg. it's a good mm-hmm. movie yeah. the boxing movie Mm-hmm. um south project gyllenhaal was another one that i really enjoyed because those are movies where you just where you see so much growth and change in the main character you see this very physically demanding role you know where like mark Wahlberg, i mean he trained in secret for that movie for like five years like he built a boxing ring in his house in the basement and would wake up i mean he still does he wakes up like at three in the morning and he would train and then go work on whatever movie or show or whatever he was doing and wow, so awesome. that dedication that he put into it it was like he financed his part-time job to get ready for this film before yeah. he even filmed it. And I just remember walking out of that movie and I was like, I would kill to be <laughs> a part of something like that. It would just be so incredible. So mm-hmm. movies like that are the ones that I really respond to uh, as an yeah. actor, I guess is like, a, is, is it like a very physical role yeah. where they, you know, they, they go through a lot of, a lot of change, a lot of loss and sort of have to, they lose everything and kind of have to make their way back up. Yeah. Movies like that would be the ones that, that, that I would love to be a part of. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I kind of have one a question on co-stars slash love interest. So, <laughs> oh boy, if you can speak to it. Um, what happens when you are cast and your love interest is, you know, cast alongside you? Yeah. And what if you just know or feel like you have a lack of chemistry or something's <laughs> just not clicking between the two of you? How do you get there? Like, how yeah. can you? improve upon the chemistry aspect so what i do whenever i'm like cast opposite somebody Mm -hmm. is i outside of that i befriend them get to know them super well go have a meal with them Mm -hmm. share a couple drinks laugh whatever that is and just get to know them really well and a really like like a like a really good friend Mm -hmm. that way i pick up on things that, you know, I'm like, oh, that's, that's, some, that's something that, you know, that's really cool about it. That's something that I like about it. That's something that I find attractive about this person, about mm-hmm. this person. Hmm. And, and you use those things. Okay. So you're not, I'm not like making anything up. Yeah. Because you know, it's so hard to play pretend, you know. So, it's, so you draw on a lot of those things that you pick up on from spending so much time with this person. So that's what I tend to do is like I just get to know them super well. I get to not really worry about 
what's going to happen on stage or in front of the camera. It's more just like, you know, how can I get to know you better so that when the time comes, like I'll be ready to go, mm-hmm. you know, won't have cool. to make anything up. Yeah. Making it as real as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to yeah. say That's fascinating. as real as possible. Like you just build, <laughs> you literally just build the relationship outside of everything. Mm-hmm. And, and then it, what you built off stage or off camera will reflect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On screen. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Because sometimes I feel like I'm watching something. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like there's no chance. <laughs> like they hate two. each other. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then sometimes it's like, oh, wow. Like, do they get married in real life? Right. They're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it's like you, you find, you see the, the, the people that love working together. Uh, like Drew Barrymore, Adam Sandler. They made like yes. movies together and they're just like, it's just so much fun. It's like working <laughs> with like your best friend. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler too. They're best yeah. friends in real life. And that. Uh, yeah, and then that's how it works too. You just find the people that you're really good friends with, like that you get along with really well, and you say, okay, that's the person I'm sort of working with forever. That's cool. You know? I love that. I was going to say, um, so I took one acting class in college as an elective, but our teacher did sort of brush upon that topic. Like, what do you do when, I mean, there seemingly is nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> you just said like, there's always just, you know, if it's one, one small thing, just focus on that one. Yeah. Do you just focus on that? Ignore everything else. You'll be good. Yeah. yeah. Like lips, hair, You'll whatever. Fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. So I, I always thought that was just kind of an interesting point that sort of stuck with me throughout the years. Even just meeting people like outside of acting. It's yeah. Like, exactly. There's some. There's something redeemable that I can find. Yeah. About this person, whatever. Totally. So one question I have is, what are some of the biggest, or I guess if you could name one, what is the biggest misconception people have about actors? I'll say something about actors and I'll say something about filmmaking mm-hmm. um, with actors. And I guess it does correlate with what I want to say with film is that like, it's not glamorous. Mm-hmm. It's hard work. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying like, Oh, we're going overseas and fighting wars or anything like that. It's silly, <laughs> but it's not easy work. Mm-hmm. You know, like a tip, like let's just say I get cast as like, uh, you know, a supporting role in like a, an independent feature film. Right. Mm -hmm. So what that means is I have to prepare, have to memorize all my lines. I get the schedule for the day, probably like the day before, two days before Mm -hmm. to say we're filming these scenes and you know, you show up on set at like seven o'clock in the morning. You go straight to the hair and makeup. You check in. That's probably where you go first and you sit down and like they mess around with you. They get you ready. And then you go to wardrobe, you get into wardrobe, they have food, you probably eat some breakfast, all that. And then, you know, you don't start shooting till like 9.30. Mm-hmm. And then at 9.30, they're like, okay, cool, we just set up the scene and like, you know, we're going to test out the lighting and because, you know, I'm not famous, I'm going to have to, I stand there and they like move all the lights to make sure that it's good for me and all that stuff and like it fits mm-hmm. me. If I was famous, I'd have a stand-in who's literally like my same characteristics, but not me. Mm. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. so then I'm standing there and you're probably standing there for like 30 minutes, just literally not able to move and you stand there and then cool. Okay, great. And then the other actor, great. And then, you know, they say, okay, we're going to check sound. Okay. Camera's good. Blah, blah. So you got there at seven. You don't start shooting till like 10, 10, 15. Mm-hmm. And then you have your scene and it's like, you know, maybe it's like half a page or a page of script and you do your scene. They probably shoot your angle three times four times, five times. If it's a crazy director, they'll want to shoot it like a billion times. Um, my job is, you know, to basically whatever, whenever I'm preparing, it's like, I just want to make sure that whenever a director wants to reshoot, it's not because of me. Okay. Like I want to be, I don't want to be the one who gets blamed for having to waste more time. I always want it to not be me. So that's my job. I want to nail it on the first take. But then as a theater person, it's a problem because for me, like I'm used to being live. I'm used to just yeah. getting one shot at it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I give it, like, I'm going to give it a hundred percent. I'm kind of like, well, there I did it. Like, why don't I do this five more times? I already did it perfectly the first time, you know? And so that's, so that's been, that was a fun thing to sort of have to work around. But then they would say, you shoot your scene, you, you shoot your angle five times. And then as you know, in movies, there's like five, 10 different angles for every scene. Yeah. And what do you do? They flip everything over and they shoot you from the back. And so then they got to measure the lighting on this guy and the sound, this and that. And before you know it, you've shot one page and it's like two <laughs> 30 in the afternoon and you've only Gosh. shot one page of script and the script's a hundred pages. Right. And so, you know, you're shooting two to three pages a day. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, your job is from 7 a.m. to 10.15, you're ready to go, but you can't. Your job at 10.15 when they yell action, like, you got to be ready to hit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if you've been waiting for three hours. Even if after lunch they're like, yeah, actually, we're going to flip it. We're not going to shoot your scene till 7 p.m. And you're like, well, shit, I had like a dinner. <laughs> I had a dinner or something. I had this yeah. going on. Like, my, I wanted to go home and do this. Now I'm not going to get home till like 10, 11. And then it turns into, well, I was ready to shoot it in an hour. Now we're going to shoot it in six hours. So it's like, what do you do to keep yourself entertained for five, six hours? And then what do you do when they call you to be like ready to go? Imagine that scene being like a super intense scene. And they're like, oh, by the way, you have to push it for five hours. Yeah. And you've been like prepping for it all night, all morning. And they're <laughs> like, you're gonna have to wait five hours. That throws you off. Yeah. But you can't let it throw you off. So it's, so that's the thing with, with, with act, with the acting thing is like, it's, it's hard. Yeah. I feel like you have to have a lot of stamina. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you have to have a lot of stamina. You have to have a lot of grace. You have to have a lot of like mm-hmm. go with the flowness. You have to just yeah. accept anything that happens, honestly. And you have to, you can't be a jerk about it. Mm-hmm. You have to be yeah. a team player. It's very collaborative and, it, and it's not easy. It's easy to, you know, I guess, pretend to be sad, right? Like anybody can kind of do it, but like, can you do it? With the cameras rolling, 50 people watching you, and the director having you do it five times in a row, and yeah. trying to do it differently each time. Like, can you do that? I was going to say- It's hard. In, in, a, in the film scenario, where you have multiple takes of, or multiple shots, same kind of situation where you need to channel some extreme emotion, maybe like tears. Like, yeah. where do you find the energy yes. to- how how do you conjure tears? How do you uh, or or like are there other techniques that No, I don't I never like this is how I say it. If I am truly in the given circumstance mm-hmm. and I'm living truthfully, tears will come. Right. Yeah. Right. So I it's like I let go of any sort of control that I could have. And just trust that I'm ready, I'm prepared, I'm here, I know what I'm doing before the scene starts, I know what, you know, the character that I'm playing, I know what they're up to right before the scene starts, I know in what sort of emotional state I'm starting the scene in, I'm jumping on the boat, the boat's <laughs> going down the river, it's a point B, and I'm going to get there. Right. Gotcha. And I have the faith to just say, I'm in, let's go. And it'll happen. And, oh. and not think about it, not worry about it, not try to control anything. I would much rather... If like, if I'm directing, I would much, again, it's a lot of working with a director too. Like they can put, they can get you there, but I would much rather have a more honest performance that doesn't sort of produce tears yeah. than to have okay. trying to fake it, yeah. you know? And so, and so I don't, yeah. So I don't put a lot of prescription into like, you know, I need, when I say this line, I need to cry. Yeah. Um, if this, like the script's telling me that's what needs to happen, that means I need to be ready for it when I get there. It doesn't mean I just like show up to that line. And I'm like, okay, I really need to start crying now. Like it's Got a build, it. it's a process that has to happen in order to get there. And I, my job is to sort of get to the beginning of that process so that I can get there. Got yeah. it. Yeah. And just trust and just trust that I'm going to get there. Yeah. Camera don't lie. Right. Don't lie. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. I feel like you can always tell when something seems a little bit yeah. more inauthentic. You can see lies and inauthenticity so easily mm-hmm. on, on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what, that's the beauty with film is that you can't lie in front of it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Something you said reminded me of this with stage acting. So, mm-hmm. okay, this is actually like a little off topic, but oh boy, <laughs> it's a two-parter. A, have you ever been part of a Shakespeare production? And B, if you have, uh, how do you make it more relevant to a modern audience? Yeah. So yeah, we, we studied a lot of Shakespeare. I did, I did a whole semester of just doing Shakespeare monologues and scenes and stuff. I've done mm-hmm. um, a Midsummer Night's Dream. That was, yeah, I think that was the only Shakespeare play I did. Yeah, that was the only one I did. And especially in, in the scene work that we did, we very much just treated it like, like a normal, like a, ver- like a common vernacular play. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's beautiful about Shakespeare is that he, uh, it's, it's very real. That's mm-hmm. why I, I believe it plays so well to the modern audience because he's speaking the truth from 500 years ago that we still believe today. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, so, and so, you know, underneath all of that heightened English, there's, there's, there's very, t- like, 
modern universal themes exactly and it's like not focusing so much on like what you're saying but sort of how you're saying it yeah right you know like i'll tell you my i'll tell you this example so for my senior studio which is like the one act play that i had to uh, produce and direct and all that stuff i did a play by edmund rosan that was called the romancer so edmund rosan mm-hmm. wrote cyrano de bergerac which is one of the greatest plays ever written um, he was a playwright from France who wanted to bring Shakespeare to the modern French audience from the late 1800s because during that time period, there was a lot of realism that was coming in and he wanted to preserve a lot of that like glorified heightened text from the past, like Moliere and Shakespeare and all these people. And so he wrote these plays that were very heightened Shakespearean in nature, but they were for a modern audience. So that's why he was able to cross over so well. And so Cyrano de Bergerac, which is, you know, the long-nosed dude, mm-hmm. um, that was the most famous play he wrote. It's one of the greatest plays ever written. And he wrote The Romancers. And The Romancers is basically the story of Romeo and Juliet sort of flipped upside down, where you have these two warring families, the son and the daughter. And uh, they have, like, the, the, the wall that they sort of talk over and they fall in love over. And then they say they want to, like, run away together. And it's all romantic and pretty. And then you find out, early on in the play that the two dads are they secretly like they faked everything. So, like they oh. built the fake wall, they faked their rivalry so that the two kids could underground fall in love because that's what they wanted. They didn't want to force them. They wanted yeah. them to do it themselves. And so so the, the whole so the play is really funny because it's these two, you know, pretend dads who pretend to war, are, are warring against each other. Yeah. And um they try to figure out like a very like a, a smart way to like get them together actually. And so they do, they stage a fake kidnapping of the daughter and it's, it's just such a funny play. And so awesome. what I did with my, my approach to it was, I mean, Prince's Bride was a big inspiration for me for that play. The big thing that I did though, was I took the heightened text and, you know, with the actors, we played so much for three months um, you know, they, they like, we memorize our script as early as possible because it's so important. You have to know what you're saying. You can't be second guessing. You have mm-hmm. to know what you're saying. And once you got there, like we had so much fun with it. Cause I was like, we're going to do a whole run of the first scene. And I want you to do it. Like, it's like a, like a Mexican soap, soap opera, <laughs> the whole thing. That's cool. Yeah. And you know, with every line, I don't want you to like make it about you. I want you to make it about the other person. Like, how mm-hmm. do you want the other person to feel with what you're saying? And it becomes that tennis match, you know? So when it's like, you know, you have your line, instead of being like, how does this line make me feel that's inward? What I'm saying is, how do I want you to feel about what I'm saying? And so that makes it about the other person back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So what really matters there is how I want the other person to feel, not necessarily what I'm saying. You know what I mean? So you can use any language. You can use any sort of heightened text to get that across. And so what we did was we played around with that. Like we took it to its very basics and said like, what are we trying to say? Why are we trying to say this? Mm -hmm. And then from there we added the layer of, okay, let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. Um, And then from there we found like the, the, the way to do it. And it went, it was hilarious. It was such a great experience. And that was the experience that really locked it in for me. That made me realize with Shakespeare, it's more making it about the other person Mm -hmm. and how you say things is what matters the most. And then you added like the beautiful meter and the iambic pentameter to that. <laughs> yeah. And it creates a very beautiful production. So that's awesome. That's one yeah. thing. Yeah. I, I especially love about Shakespeare is that it touches on those, those humanistic conflicts. Those conflicts yeah. are just, we've all felt so, that we've all seen yeah. it. It's, it's timeless. We yeah. felt it 2000 years ago. We're going to feel it 2000 years from now. We've sort of touched upon this at various points throughout the podcast, but uh, you mentioned it in this last segment talking about Shakespeare and how important it is to just do. And that is, how do you remember your lines? Like, do you have a specific method? Ooh, I, my I, method's weird. I mean, I would love to, <laughs> I feel like everyone has their own and I would love to hear yours. I have a very weird, uh, a very weird method. So uh, Anthony Hopkins is famous for reading through his scripts. Like he reads them like hundreds of times through. That's what, that's okay. his way. He literally yeah. will sit there and be like, I read the script 400 times. Like it's insane. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he literally just sits there and like, reads it. Um, so what I do is it's a lot of muscle memory. What I mean by that, like, let's just say I got like, you know, here, I got a huge stack of house bills here. So I'm going to say like, you know, this is your script. It's 400 pages. And you know, my lines are like half. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of script. So what I, so what I first do, so I have three different things I do. 
So the first thing I do, I erase everybody's line except for mine. Okay. I erase cool. all of the stage direction except for, I literally just have my words, right? Yeah. So I just have my words. And I read through them once like that. So read through it, read through it, read through it. Okay, cool. I'm done. I put it down and I grab a notebook. And what I do is I transcribe from here to my notebook all my lines. Mm -hmm. I don't capitalize any letters. I don't period any sentences. I literally just write a, like a, it's like a huge just 10 page paragraph. Yeah. It's like a line of code. Almost, mm -hmm. almost like <laughs> yeah. So I do that. And so what's, what that does for me, one helps me memorize. Number two, as an actor, it helps me not prepare in, mm -hmm. of, in like the robotic way. It helps yeah. me just learn the lines at a very basic, very like caveman level. Mm -hmm. Because then what that does is when I'm there with the actor for the first time doing it, it's going to be very truthful, very spontaneous, right? So then from there, from writing it down, I pull out my laptop and I type it all from, mm -hmm. the, from the script that I wrote down that I transcribed from the real script. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then from the desktop, I go back to writing it down. And then from writing it down, I go back to the desktop, type it up. And then from there, I go back to writing it down. And I just play ping pong with my computer and with my notepad <laughs> wow. until it's memorized. And that, that's my method. And it works really well. I can get off book pretty fast. And yeah, I just sort of prioritizing scenes and things like that. And thankfully, like with, with movies, compared to like playing a lead in a play, you know, movies, what's really nice about being in a movie, it's over a long period of time. Your performance mm -hmm. is just for that one day, just for that one instant so if you know your character really well if you know who you're playing you know you can be reviewing your script as you go along being familiar with it all but then being like okay the priority tomorrow we're shooting this scene this is what i'm going to study like crazy for the next two days mm -hmm. i know because in three days i'm studying this i can put that off for a little bit but you know sort of having a general overview of who you are what you're doing where you're going all that stuff and then just sort of saying okay like prioritizing it theater is a little different because you have to be off book for the whole thing for weeks um, but that's my method. That's my method. That's what I do. And it, and it works really well for me. Um, and I can get off book pretty fast compared to most. Right. Interesting. Okay. So kind of, I wanted to get your opinion side of things. Who are some of the most underrated actors and actresses to you? Do you have any favorite underrated acting performances or just favorite acting performances in general that people don't really talk about? Yeah. Um, I mean, Gary Oldman's one of my favorite actors and I feel like yeah. he's somebody who doesn't get enough credit for it because that guy's like a chameleon. He's, uh, he's so incredible with the range that he has, what he can do, mm -hmm. what he's capable of. You believe every word he ever says on camera. He's, he's so brilliant. He's really, really good. Another actress that I really enjoy watching is, uh, my gosh, what's her name? She was in that, um, she was in that Beatles movie that came out last year, but she's, she's so good too. And I've just started to follow her career a lot. Yeah. Um, well, yesterday's the movie. Yeah. Um, oh yesterday. yeah, 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 yeah. Lily um, James. Lily, Lily James. James. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was so she's authentic, great. so sweet. Like you, like, that's what I look for is like, do I believe what you're going through is what you're actually going through? And she's one yeah. of those that just does it so well. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so she's somebody that I, that I started following a lot um, and just admiring a lot. Those are the two that are probably at the top of my list. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of like my favorite, I mean, like I've always liked uh, like Eddie Redmayne has been mm -hmm. a great, a great actor to sort of watch for me. Um, Andrew Garfield. I love all the things that he does from social network, silence, um, you know, his Spider-Man. I loved him as Spider-Man actually. And uh, yeah, Tom, like he's a great one. The one who I've enjoyed following a lot is Brad Pitt. Honestly. Yeah, he's like, I think he's so talented. He's evolved so much. And like, you know, he used to be like that heartthrob in the 90s and like the sexiest man alive and would just yeah. play a bunch of like shirtless movies and Troy and this and that. And then he started doing like, I mean, after Inglorious Bastards for me. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, like he, and he's just crushed it. Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, what, I loved that movie. It's probably my yeah. favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. He um, was awesome in that. He was unreal. He was so good. So good. Um, like Matthew McConaughey made a really great turnaround too and started yeah. doing some really good, good, serious work. And that was really cool to follow, you know, probably six, seven years ago. Mark Wahlberg, I like him a lot when, when he plays those very gritty, serious roles. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is another good one. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I told y'all earlier, those, those sort of physical 
comeback stories are the ones that I, I particularly enjoy. Uh, but yeah, I like Gary Oldman for me is probably the most underrated actor. And even and like he's won an Oscar, but still, yeah, it's like still underrated. He's still yeah. underappreciated, <laughs> I think. Definitely. Okay, so I have kind of a question for our audience members who are maybe not trained in acting. Oh boy. I <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like you know, as an actor, it's a very strenuous job. I feel like there's a lot of rejection, and I feel like there is yeah. a lot of you know, difficulties with the industry. Now, as for, for regular people, how can the things that you've learned as an actor, how can a regular person such as myself or Jack incorporate more confidence or carry ourselves a little bit better in our everyday life? Like how can we pull some of that? How do you access that in your everyday life? Well, I'll I'll tell you, you regular folk. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, you know, the, like I was telling you when I, when I had that, that rhythm, you know, like three, four years ago where I was just auditioning and auditioning and auditioning and showing up to sets to work. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, your job as an actor is to audition. Mm-hmm. That's your job. Like yeah. I was telling y'all earlier, like the, the, the fun part is like getting cast and stuff. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like, let's just put it this way. When I, like when I, my agent sends me a script and it's like, oh, they, they're casting for a supporting role in this movie. Here's like a one page audition script that you're going to show up with in, you know, in three days. They want to see you. Da, da, da. I am putting in at least six to eight hours of time on that one page script to go. Now, if you're going to two or three auditions a week, you're putting in eight, it's a part-time job. You're putting in 18 hours worth of time per week getting ready for these three auditions. Mm-hmm. So your, your job is to be prepared. Your job is to yeah. get off book, to memorize who are you, where, what I want, how do I get what I want, all those basic answers and to be ready to go. And so you're spending, yeah, you're spending a lot of time on these scripts, you know, and like looking at it for an hour or two is not enough. Yeah. And so making it about that, about that experience of preparing, of showing up on time, auditioning, leaving it all on the table there, mm-hmm. walking away feeling, okay, I gave it everything I could, everything else at the chance. That's something that, I, that I've used in building up my business, yeah. like video exactly. production and film production. I've definitely used a lot of that because I've been told no a lot of times. Yeah. Um, I've been rejected a lot of times. You know, um, the, the lows have been lower than the highs for me. Mm-hmm. And those experiences have definitely carried on in my professional life, you know, building up this, this small business where I say, you know, I have to, I have to knock on 500 businesses doors if I'm going to get a, a video production job. Okay. Yeah. So if I've only knocked on 10 and I haven't gotten yeah. anything, mm-hmm. why am I going to turn around and, and stop doing that? I got exactly. 490 more do- doors to, to knock on, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's that idea of like, you're in New York and here's London, right? And you're on a boat you're going to London, you're in New York and you're on the boat and you're like (laughs) 50 miles to London. Are you going to turn around and go back to New York and be like, Oh, well, didn't make it. (laughs) Or are you going to stay on the boat for 50 more miles and get to London, you know, get to England, get to the United Kingdom. Right. That's the way I've always thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I've always thought about it is, you know, you've, you've gotten so far and you've gotten so far, you've pushed so hard. Like Mm -hmm. what's another week? What's another month? What's another day? What's another rejection? Like, yeah, it's going to get you closer to where you're going. Definitely. Um, instead of turning around and sort of resetting. So that's definitely, I've carried that a lot into my friendships, my personal life, my marriage, my relationship with my kids, my professional life, networking, all that stuff is just being authentic, being you, you know, putting yourself out there. It's definitely bled a lot into the sort of entrepreneurship that I've embraced with myself mm-hmm. where, you know, I don't meet people to sort of get business out of them or to, for me to provide them business, for them to provide me work. I'm trying yeah. to build friendships and relationships with people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I was telling you all about the, the little project I'm working on, worst case scenario, I'm going to be meeting 52 really cool people in a year. Exactly. You know? And making it about that. Sort of like yeah. the audition, making it about the audition, making it about getting to know people. Mm-hmm. The extra stuff is if they give me a, a job or two, you know, the extra is if I get the role right. and, and that's something that I think anybody can get anything out of mm-hmm. yeah. It's just, you know, focus on like the journey, focus on the grind. Don't worry about the successes or the failures, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds Very like, well yeah, yeah, the 
preparedness and persistence. That's, yeah. that's what it really sounded like to me. And enjoy yeah. the journey, the process. And enjoy it and have so much fun yeah. with it. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's, it's, it's a heck of a, it's a heck of a journey. And I've been on like a, like I said, at the very beginning, I've been on a, on a heck of a journey the last five years, six <laughs> years pursuing all of this and you know, the pivots, sometimes they make perfect sense. Sometimes I'm like, why am I turning this way? But <laughs> mm-hmm. It's all come together in a weird way. And you know, yeah. I, I wouldn't have done it any differently. I love that. And that is awesome. One quick last question. Promise it, right. it won't be too long. <laughs> That's um, fine. That's fine. I saw this on your website and I had to ask, but so far, what is the greatest slice of pizza that you've ever found? And if I that's, will tell you if that's too I will hard because I have no, I have the answer. Okay. So I was road tripping with my family last year to, to, um, to Breckenridge actually Colorado. Yeah. Um, so I went to Breckenridge for 10 days and we said, you know, we're on our way from Dallas to Breckenridge. We're going to stop at good restaurants. Like we're not just going to go drive mm-hmm. to McDonald's and pick up happy meals for the kids. Like we're going to find these awesome restaurants. Nice. But I was Googling on in Amarillo where we spent the first night mm-hmm. I was like I want to find the best pizza I could possibly find in Amarillo and um and so you know I was google searching like where's the best pizza and I was just, like reading all these different blogs and stuff like that and driving through Amarillo we came upon this place called I think it's 595 mm-hmm. um Emma have you heard of it I feel I've like heard. that rings yeah, the so, bell so it's this place that um here, I'm going to find it right now for you guys. <laughs> uh, 575, 575 Pizzeria. Yeah. 575. So 575 Pizzeria. And it's the temperature that they cook the pizza in. It's flat. It's, um, I think it's like a, a northeastern recipe for the dough. Mm-hmm. They, they basically, like the pepperoni, mm-hmm. the edges are burned. Oh. And the crust is like burned a little bit. Oh. Ooh, that's gr- my kind of pizza. <laughs> it is the greatest pizza I've ever had. Oh. Ever. It's been yeah. a year and I still have not found a better one. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm gonna seek that out then. Yeah, because we're, yeah. we're big. Five seven five seven five pizzeria in Amarillo. That is my favorite pizza that I've had. Let's check that out. And uh, yeah, so I'm giving them a major plug when this comes up. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh! So cool! Yeah. Oh my gosh! Alex, thank, thank you, you. Yeah. so much for no, joining us y'all. on this podcast. It, this has just been so much fun. I feel like I've learned so much. And Definitely. me too. Yeah, Good. incredible. Um, yeah. yeah. So where can our audience maybe find you on social media, websites? Like how can we know what Alex is up to? Your yeah. Project? So just uh, on Instagram, Alex produces. Okay. That's my handle. So I'm pretty active on Instagram. Yeah. That's pretty much it. it yeah, Facebook's the same as well. So that's where I keep up with what I'm up to and what I'm doing and, and all that stuff. So just at Alex produces. <laughs> That's my website too. I'm um, uh, for the, my production, my little, you know, production gigs that I do, just, you know, producing content for people. That's alexproduces.com. Um, cool. But yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. So come find me. Awesome. Thank you Thank so you much. So Alex. much. We appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Of course. I had a lot of fun. I didn't talk about a lot of <laughs> stuff like this in a, in a while. So yeah. it really reinvigorated me to get back into things and uh, of course. I'll keep you all updated. Yeah, of course. Thank you. And speaking of our social media, Jack, where can people find us on the internet? Oh, yes. Instagram <laughs> and Facebook are your two best options. Old Soul Movie Podcast on both. You'll be able to find it very nice and easy. But yes, again, don't forget to leave us a review down below. Five stars, please. If you or any of your friends are interested in acting, definitely share this episode with them. We think that you get a lot of good insight out of it. 